Hi, this is Scott Thompson. Welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Feel free to subscribe. Coming up on today's podcast, the alt-left stopping seniors from crossing the road? Isn't that getting a little out of hand? What the heck was that giant black cloud over Hamilton this week? And Hamilton has announced its 40 fastest growing companies in the city. You'll meet one of them. It's all coming up on the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. We talked about this actually prior to the weekend. I believe it was on Friday. And we did talk to uh, Bill Steinberg, Press Secretary, Public Affairs, Mohawk College. We're going to have him on in just a moment as well again. As people were trying to stop Maxime Bernier and this uh, event from going on, I understand it's a series of speakers. Maxime Bernier of the People's Party of Canada uh, was one of them. Uh, Whether you agree with his politics or not, and I'm certainly not a fan, um, uh, He's on the national debate. He deserves to speak and, and, and have his chance like everybody else does because he's going to be debating on TV next to all the leaders. So uh, why that requires anything different, I'm not quite sure. But obviously over the weekend, uh, there was uh, a bit of a scuffle at Mohawk. Saw four people arrested, uh, but then a video surfaced afterwards. And this is pretty disgusting of uh, an elderly couple, uh, one with a walker, the lady with a walker, trying to make their way across a crosswalk area. Uh, of a roadway, and and they've got these masked uh, protesters in front of them, uh, screaming all kinds of violent language out of them. Uh, we're going to play you a clip. You can see the video of this on the website, um, but uh, we're going to play you uh, an audio clip of this. And we've tried to remove any of the f bombs, but the language is uh, is a little ripe. All right, let's bring in Inspector Dave Hennick, Hamilton Police Service. Uh, he is with us now. Dave, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Uh, no problem. Good morning, Scott. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking the time. We appreciate this. So, uh, obviously, the police uh, have a tough task here of trying to weed through all of this. What can you tell us about what happened on uh, Sunday? Well, I can tell you. Um, so, for Sunday night, uh, Hamilton Police and Mohawk College were closely on the planning for this event. We were we were aware of the event uh, going to take place, also for uh, and the fact that there was going to be planned uh, protesting at the event. So, like I said, we were aware of that. We're closely with the college to make sure that we had enough resources or the appropriate amount of uh, resources in place. So that include, you know, Mohawk College providing private security, also entering into a contract uh, with us to hire paid duty members. And, of course, um, as an organization, we provided uh, our members of our public order unit, our action unit, our divisional safety officers uh, to support with traffic and uh, members of our uniform uh, uniform patrol. So how and, would uh, so- sort Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so throughout the evening there, you know, our, our goal, our goal entering into that uh, was to facilitate a peaceful protest and uh, to ensure overall community safety and well-being when we entered into it. And as you can see from uh, some of the videos there, um, the there was um, the incident got out of hand and uh, there were several uh, what I believe to be uh, acts of criminal offense that have took, taken place. And so we're looking into those right now. Uh, the people that we're seeing in regard to the video with the elderly couple and the walker and such uh, being prevented from uh, crossing the crosswalk, is that were, were those the people that were arrested? Do we know that? I, I can't speak to that. I, what I can say is that four people were arrested for breach of the peace on, on the night of. Uh, those individuals were, uh, in the end, uh, released unconditionally. Um, but what we're doing now is uh, taking a step back, um, 
I've assigned that investigation to our uh, CID team here, which is our criminal investigative division here at the the mountain station. And what we're doing is we're in the process of collecting video evidence. So video from Mohawk College, um, as you're probably seeing, and more and more video each day is uh, being released, I'm assuming by people that were uh, participating in the event. And it's actually providing us with different angles and perspectives on what had taken place that night. So speaking specifically to the incident uh, with the senior trying to cross the road there, I know uh, from speaking to some of our members who were on ground that day, uh, you're limited, of course, by your sight line. But as soon as that as soon as that uh, interaction came to the attention of some of the members, they intervened and and escorted uh, that couple inside. So that is one of the incidents that we're uh, that we're looking at. Uh, so again, no report on as to whether those people, uh, when the police officers intervened, the people that were stopping them were one were the ones that were arrested. Uh, no report for you okay. at this time. Yeah, no, I understand that. Okay. Uh, so as you look back at this uh, event and 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 how this all uh, you know came about, and as you said, and, and we were talking to uh, Mohawk prior to the weekend as well, and obviously aware that this sort of thing uh, could arise. As uh, the whole event itself, how would you characterize it? For the most part, was it was it under control? Was it only the the one sort of in- incident, or was it pretty hectic, pretty much for most of the time? Um. I guess, you know, originally our goal there was to facilitate a peaceful protest, right? And as you can see by some of the videos, um, that wasn't the case for some people. They crossed that line. And, you know, the the right to express yourself and form your own opinion uh, is an essential feature of democracy. And the Charter of Rights gives us certain freedoms. The problem is, is when those freedoms, they come with limitations. So the conduct of the protesters... um, and, and I'm not getting into on what side that they are because I don't know that yet. We're, mm-hmm. we're taking a look at that. But the conduct, if if um, it extended past those freedoms and into criminal behavior, and that's why we're looking uh, and, and have started a criminal investigation into that. And if... Um, that is the case, and, and it's appropriate. The criminal charges will be laid for those offenses. Uh, how much video do you have? Is there lots of video? Are you surprised by how much you're getting? Are you getting good cooperation in that regard? Uh, well, we have we have a unit here. It's fairly new to our service. We've hired um, someone, a social media investigator, and he works as part of our technological crime unit. So they're a team of people dedicated to... Um, supporting other members of our service doing criminal investigations that have ties to uh, the computer, the internet, those sorts of things, electronic devices. And so they're in the process of collecting Mm -hmm. the video right now, including, of course, speaking with uh, Mohawk College uh, to obtain video surveillance from uh, their facility. Uh, was anybody hurt at all during this uh, event over the course of the weekend? Obviously, you said you escorted the uh, the elderly couple in, which was great. I, it didn't look like they were uh, hurt in any way, but it, is there any reports of any anybody being hurt? I don't have any reports of, any, of anyone suffering physical injury uh, as a result of what took place on Sunday, no. Uh, any idea when you will know more uh, and have more to tell us, Dave? No, I, c- I can tell you we have a team of people working on it right now. Um, they're they're working away, looking at the evidence and interviewing people and following up, and that's going to take some time. I would rather get it right, so our, we're going to take the time to make sure that we review everything appropriately, and um, at the appropriate time, after they've had a chance to review all the evidence there and make a determination um, to see if any of the conduct of any of the protesters crosses that line and reaches into the level of criminality, then... then um, then we would take steps to uh, follow up with the laying of criminal charges. 
Uh, anything more uh, anyone could have done differently to have prevented this? Anything learned from this for the next time? Uh, I, you know what? I, I mean, in every instance, there's always something to learn. Um, I'm I'm satisfied uh, with the work of our members. I'm proud of the work of our members. I think it was a difficult. Uh, it turned out to be a difficult yeah. task. I think uh, I think the the Hamilton police members. If you watch the video, you would, would agree that they were professional in their approach. Um, they were being yelled at, sworn at, and that that comes with the territory. We get that. It doesn't make it easy, though. And so I'm I'm proud of them for the work that they did. And now it's our job. Is uh, their job as a public order unit was to manage that uh, that event at the time, and it's the job of our detectives here at the division now to put the pieces of the puzzle together and determine, like I said, if any of their the conduct on that night uh, rises to the level of criminality. Inspector Dave Hennick has been with us, Hamilton Police Service, talking about what happened uh, on Sunday at Mohawk uh, in the event and uh, protests in regard to. Uh, thanks so much for the time, Dave. Good luck. Uh, thanks, Scott. I appreciate it. I think the only other thing I'd like to add is that uh, if people do have information or videos that they would like to share, the lead detective on this case is a gentleman by the name of Detective James Durka, and he can be reached at 905-546-8966. And, of course, if people wish to provide information and remain anonymous, they can do that through Crime Stoppers. All right. Inspector Dave Hennick has been with us, Hamilton Police Service. And if anybody has any video or anything that could aid in this investigation, by all means, get a hold of them. Thanks, Dave. Much appreciated. Thanks, Scott. Let's bring in Bill Steinberg, Press Secretary, Public Affairs, Mohawk College. He's with us now. Uh, Bill, we spoke on Friday. Uh, now that it's uh, now that it's Tuesday, what are your thoughts on what went down over the weekend? Well, Scott, thanks for uh, for having me on again. I mean, you've uh, you've played a a bit of uh, some of the unfortunate parts of what happened on the weekend. Uh, I have to say that uh, I mean, you had an inspector uh, in. A few minutes ago, and I really want to uh, commend the uh, the Hamilton Police Service for helping us. Um, everybody who wanted to be uh, in the event uh, had a chance to get in there, and everything ran smoothly inside. Outside, um, yeah, there was a lot of protesters. I suspect they were looking at the most extreme, as you described it. Um, there are a lot of people there who wanted to be heard and wanted to express their uh, uh, their point of view, and I think they had a chance to do so. Uh, anything, we talked about this prior to the weekend, Bill, and, and you you were prepared for it. The police obviously said that too. Anything to be learned from this? Anything you can do differently? I mean, mind you, every time we see these sort of things, you just shake your head and you think, wow, I didn't think it stooped to this level. But, you know, um, seniors and walkers and, and protesters stopping them, that just seems, we it just seems every time we talk about this, we hit a new low. I mean, yeah, that that doesn't point it doesn't uh, paint a very good picture. But uh, I think I mean our goal in this uh, situation was to uh, ensure that uh, our campus, our students, our staff, our visitors were all safe, and uh, the police helped us do that. Um, uh, the, you know, the People's Party of Canada. Um, we're going to be hearing them and seeing them in the uh, national election uh, coming up. Um, I mean, they're visiting venues across the country right now, and uh, they had a chance to have their forum. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know that we um, were in a situation to do anything except take care of uh, our Mohawk community and, and uh, allow the event to happen. Bill, what would you say to those that would say you shouldn't have let them speak? We talked about this Friday. We don't have to go over it, but what are your thoughts on yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I respect that people would have that opinion. 
Um, but I'd ask them to consider if, if there's a different national party, um, would they feel the same way? Uh, we, uh, we are in a position where we have uh, politicians uh, from all parties visiting us here, um, looking at all the great things happening at Mohawk. Um, having events like they had uh, on Sunday night, and uh, I mean, the, there's a precedent for that, and uh, and uh, it's a the um, performance center is a uh, is a venue that's open to the public to to rent for purposes like that. Bill Steinberg is member of this press secretary, uh, press secretary, public affairs, Mohawk College. Bill, again, thanks uh, for taking the time to chat with us, and which has obviously been a complicated situation. We appreciate it, and uh, good luck moving forward with all this. I think you handled it the way, uh, the proper way. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much, and uh, yeah, I'm glad that uh, everybody was safe in the end. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Demolition of uh, the old Hamilton Specialty Bar uh, bar building uh, results in a a massive dust cloud, and a lot of residents are concerned. The Ministry of the Environment is investigating after the demolition of the old steel mill building sent massive dust cloud into the air in the north end. Uh, Residents and business owners in the Sherman Avenue area between Barton and Burlington Streets began sharing videos and photos of the dust permeating out of the neighborhood. You can go on our website and see some of these. It is unbelievable. And uh, uh, you could see uh, buildings uh, from residences just across the road. You have a hard time seeing what's even just going on across the road. The dust cloud uh, was so heavy that went through uh, some parts of the lower city. Uh, The building had to come down. was a large green structure on the former site of the Hamilton Specialty Bar, 319 Sherman Avenue North. A video of the demolition filmed by Patrick Ferguson and posted to Smash Salvage Instagram shows clouds of dark black matter blowing out of the building as it uh, crumbles to the ground. Uh, the Ontario Ministry of the Environment representative Gary Wheeler told Global News that the ministry is aware of the incident at the former Hamilton Specialty Bar. Quote, ministry environmental officers responded to uh, assess the incident and confirm any potential impacts, um, adding that those officers were gathering samples and other relevant details. He said the ministry will be uh, will continue to be involved if necessary. Uh, a City of Hamilton spokesman told Global News that on May 6, four demolition permits were issued to the owner of the former specialty bar site. Uh, the spokesperson also said the responsibility of the company's uh, consulting engineer to oversee the demolition process and ensure the demolition takes place in a safe manner. Uh, you have to ask, um, was nobody given a heads up of this? Uh, any of the residents in the nearby area who were seeing the uh, images of where you can barely see across the street were they told about this uh, was there enough done to contain uh, what we saw falling out of the structure if you watch the video before it actually comes uh, tumbling down to talk more about all of this Mark Tarm is with us Muse Marketing watched the demo process uh, over the past weeks and uh, was surprised there wasn't a bit more diligent notification Mark is with us now Mark thanks for the time much appreciated no problem, no problem. So, so tell us what you saw well, it, it was what we heard first, uh, Scott. We, we, were, uh, we were working in our office, and we're on the third floor of the cotton factory across the street. And uh, it was a, like a huge boom, an explosion. We've been hearing lots of structures come down over the last few weeks, but this one was unprecedented. It was absolutely you know, the, the largest structure on the property. And uh, we've joked about it. It uh, from a distance, it looks like, uh, if you're a Star Wars geek, it looks like one of those uh, Imperial walkers. Really? It does, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So so 
here's here's the the thing that you know just to sort of put some perspective on it. Uh, we're surprised at the events yesterday because prior to this, uh, I would say that it was uh, it was looked like it was being conducted as a really responsible demolition. Uh, they had been watering down structures in advance of bringing them down, trying to contain dust and debris to the best of their ability. And I don't know whether they started doing that or they were told to do that midway, but we did see that they had water cannons out and they were spraying down. Um, so so right off the bat, that's a big issue is that uh, I, I did see one person's tweet that said, uh, did no one think to hose down for hours beforehand uh, so that it wouldn't pollute the entire lower city? And, and you know, I, I couldn't agree more. Surprised there wasn't any sort of, I, I guess you, you think if everybody's doing their due diligence, there doesn't need to be the notification, but you, you'd even think that neighboring uh, 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 surveys, what have you, people around you would be made aware that this was going to happen. Absolutely. Uh, the, here's my thinking is that, first of all, like, this wasn't an accident. You know, I remember the plastomat fire. You know, it was horrible and it was, yeah. uh, you know, people, people were in close proximity to really toxic ingredients. But it was an accident. You know, that that you know you can't get warning for that. So this was a, a you know an intentional demolition that was being brought down. Uh, you know, and the timing of it was kind of ironic because here's my first thought: it happened immediate. It happened just after 3 p.m. yesterday. So school children are on yeah, their way home. Yeah. Um, you take a look at uh, a local map, and you know the, the fallout zone from yesterday's. Um, dust cloud would have hit Cathedral, Veneto, you know, like there's so many kids that exactly at that time would have been outdoors, you know, and making their way home. Uh, the fact that there was a, a north wind blowing and it was a fairly strong wind, uh, it, it carried it over a large swath of the lower city. And, and you just think, could you have not a notified residents that this was going to happen let people know hey you know we're going to do it at this time keep your windows closed keep your kids inside you know maybe hold your breath for a little while um you know there's that um and and, you know so between the timing of it and the fact that uh you know we're we're residents right across well residents were tenants right across the street yeah and i know that the cotton factory wasn't notified so i can't imagine anybody uh, in the area was, was told that this was going to happen. So, it's uh, just any response from anybody officially after the fact, like, man, that shouldn't have happened, or yeah, we should have done this, or we should have done, or is any is anybody is everybody just stunned that this happened without some sort of notification? Well, what's kind of ironic is that I had a look at the job site just uh, you know in the, within the last half an hour, and and they're pouring water on it now. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, uh, I know that they had uh, they had fire trucks on site after the you know after yesterday's demolition. Uh, pumper trucks were there. Uh, I was really just mostly hoping that there were no workers that were um, you know that were injured or anything like that. When we heard the sirens, the first thought is for the for the workers who were there. Um, we saw people actually running away from that from that spot. So. Yeah. Um, no, I, you, you know, I mean, gee, at the end of the day, do you want to go traipsing around through there? My goodness, we saw the stuff falling out of it. It's just, uh, and we, we understand that there has been demolition on this site over the last several weeks. Nothing close to this, though, correct? No, no, this is this is the largest, and then I, I will say that 
you know, they have one opportunity to redeem themselves as far as I'm concerned. The second largest structure is still standing. Yeah. Um, just for perspective, too, uh, that, like that is a that, that is a huge property. It, it borders uh, from the east and west. It's Sherman Avenue yeah. all the way to Birch Avenue. So that's a, yeah. a major city block. And the the structure that came down yesterday is very close to Birch Avenue. Yeah. So it's it's about as far away as, you know, as it can be from, from where we were. And it rocked the building. Like, we're not, you know, we're not joking. Everybody came running and, uh, you know, we, we were gathered in the window and we saw, you know, we saw the... Uh, you the saw a cloud. You, you, so that you, you could see this dust cloud forming, I'm guessing, as this all came Oh, yeah, out. yeah. Right. It, was, it was immediate. But it was, it was actually quite fascinating to have a look at the, uh, this mass salvage video. If you, you know, if you look on a map, they're immediately northbound yeah. of where that structure was. So they had a an excellent vantage point and you know i guess there were cables hooked up to that building so yeah. they were they were literally pulling it down do we know what that building was used for what the contents were before it came down when it was used now i don't yeah. i am I'm, I'm a former 1005 steel worker but i honestly couldn't tell you what's up there yeah. i i did see uh, i had a response to one of my, on one of my tweets from somebody who said that they had worked at hamilton specialty bar and they said you know they can only imagine what kind of nasty stuff uh, well you could see as soon as the thing as soon as the thing started to list you could see the black just come out of it before it hit the ground yeah it looked like there must have been a you know at least a foot thick of some sort of you know build up of soot on the roof of that structure and then all kinds of stuff inside uh there's also um you know there's there's uh it looks like um stacks so i don't know whether i don't know whether a chimney is part of that obviously chimneys are horrible things to to bring down as well Mm. So any word, any comment on this, uh, any chatter of what goes, what happens now moving forward it, it, with more demolition similar to this? You know, it, it's, it's, it's funny that you say that because the fact is that, you know, the, in the aftermath, if Ministry of the Environment goes in, if there's fines, if there's anything like that, it doesn't do anything to help the people who have breathed in. It's already air. done, yeah. It's, it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. At this point, I mean, you know, the, the, the wind literally blew that cloud away. If you had, uh, if you'd have uh, stepped away for 10 or 15 minutes, you wouldn't have known it happened. That doesn't mean that it didn't potentially do damage. So did you, being right across at the cotton factory, did you, did this, did it leave dust where you were? Did it, uh, did it leave a film of any way or did you just see the thing move away from you? Everybody was talking about, you know, their vehicles were, uh, you know, had a coating of, of, of dust on it afterwards. Yeah. But I don't think we took the worst of it. Just given that, that we're, you know, immediately eastbound of it, you know, it, it would have been worse for us if it had happened further north in the city. But from where it was, it was heading literally straight to, you know, I'm sure it, it probably fell in a path between, um, you know, Sherman and Birch Avenue, maybe over as far as Wentworth, all the way through to the Escarpment. Yeah. And as you said, accidents are one thing, but if you know something like this is going to go down, uh, you would think there would be something more done to try to contain it. Mark, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Uh, Mark Tarm has been with us, Muse Marketing, uh, in the Cotton Factory just across the road from uh, the old Hamilton Specialty Bar where this where this all uh, happened. Let's bring in Linda Lukasik, Executive Director of Environment Hamilton, and is on the line with us now. Linda, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Oh, no problem. Are you surprised there wasn't some sort of notification for this? Yes. <laughs> Sure am, especially with with what happened there. You know, even to warn people that you know something could go off the rails, which it ended up doing. Um, yes, I am, I am 
surprised. So uh, would there, uh, should there not be some sort of preparation happening before something like this happens to try to minimize the, the cloud that obviously went through the lower city? Absolutely. And, you know, now I'm really wondering now, I know that the city issues demolition permits, but in the, in the case of an old industrial facility like this, it seems to me that maybe there, there needs to be more involvement from the Ministry of the Environment at the prep and approval stage as well. And, and I'll, be, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm ignorant around whether that happens or not. My sense is that they're there now after something bad has happened, but may not have necessarily been there in, in the planning stages. But either way, you know, we live in a city with lots of old industrial facilities. Um, this site still has another building that's yet to come down. And, and I certainly want to understand how the process is going to be improved moving forward. Uh, has there been any chatter as to that? Uh, you know, if something wasn't done here or what will change when it comes to, as uh, same th- as you, I understand there's still another structure to come down there, mm-hmm. uh, one that isn't quite that large, but still, um, that things might change by the time that happens. Yeah, well, I, I hope so. I mean, certainly lots of talk on social media about why, how could this have happened and should there not have been more prep, even in terms of removing some of the um, contaminants that had layered yeah. onto the inside of that building before it came down. So, yeah, as soon as it started to list, you could see the black oh, just pour out of the top of the building yeah, before it even hit the ground. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So you, you hear the term decommissioning, and, and was that structure properly decommissioned before they demolished it? I mean, that's the, that's the question that I have, and I'm wondering, as I say, about the building next door. Uh, do you know what the structure was used for originally? Um, yeah, I actually had an email from a former worker who provided some details, and um, I would have to go back and look to, to rhyme off the specifics. Um, but um, but my understanding is that there were there was ducting and flues and those sorts of things inside that facility. Yeah, we're but, getting. But the, I'll be honest with you, you know, when that plant was operational, um, we were watching it very closely, and and I remember photo documenting scenarios where I could see emissions oozing out of the corners of that structure that was just demolished. So even if there were pollution control systems inside, there there was a lot of fugitive particulate yeah. pollution just mm. coming up within and and obviously based on what we saw layering itself on the interior of that building yeah how did this uh affect the lower city uh obviously we've seen lots of video you barely see the other side of the street uh but what about dust and in, in in particulate matter that's left behind anything on that at this point yeah i mean i you know i keep saying to people if i was if i was a resident especially some of the people immediately to the south of that plant i would be I sure would be on the phone with the Ministry of the Environment asking them to come and collect a sample at my property because I'm sure a lot of those people are noticing fallout material on their property and I'd want the Ministry to be testing for various metals. You know, this place was an old mini mill, so almost like a smaller version of an electric arc furnace um, that was feeding scrap in to produce uh, steel billet for, for various reasons. So. You know, you want you want to understand. Okay, so then, what does that mean in terms of what what came out? We, we also know that historically there were some issues at that plant with uh, the release to air of dioxins and furans, because when you're feeding scrap in, it sometimes has yeah. foam and plastic still attached to it. So I would be asking questions about those kinds of contaminants as well. So, um, again, this is not something that's new. As you said, you know, we're slowly seeing this happen in parts of the industrial core that Mm -hmm. that are being refurbished or or what have you. Uh, You would think there would be some sort of protocol here. 
Yep. And, and again, you know, we don't know the details. Did something go horribly wrong? We haven't heard anything yet. Um, the company who did this work, it's American Iron and Metal. They've been in the news. They have a very large scrapyard in the East End that lots of neighbors aren't so happy with. It was one of their subsidiary companies, Delsan. Del and, you know, I was exploring their website, and they certainly present themselves as a company that has expertise in doing these kinds of building takedowns. So, again, I, I don't know whether something went horribly wrong at this site. If you look at some of the video footage, um, they had some construction equipment, sort of diggers lined up on the edge of the demolition, and one of them was moving. So, you know, I watched as that massive cloud of black sort of moved across the, the ground, and, mm. and that piece of equipment was completely enveloped. So there was a worker in there, yeah, right? Yeah. So, uh, which makes me wonder, surely to goodness, that wasn't... Was that a planned sort of thing that it would happen that way? I don't know. I mean, we'll wait, I guess, in the coming days to get more details. But either way, wasn't good for workers on the site. Sure wasn't good for people in the community or the environment. How much can you do to decommission one of these buildings? Um, you, you know, we were just talking to somebody who was watching it from across the road. And, and, you know, in the past, they've been watering down areas and stuff, I guess, to keep the dust as, as low as possible. Didn't seem to be that much of that going on until after the fact, I guess in this scenario. Um, is there a lot you can do to, you know, tear these down respectively, I guess, for lack of a better word? Yeah, that's a good question. And I'm, I'm certainly no expert on demolishing industrial structures, but it sure seems like there has to be something more that could have, could have been done to deal with some of what clearly um, was, was there inside that building. Um, you know, I've seen other demolition sites where they have very large water cannons operating. I don't know. I couldn't tell from the videos whether I couldn't see any in yeah, the videos, but yeah. maybe they maybe they had them up and running. I know things like wind, and I'm trying to remember yesterday afternoon if we had much of a wind happening. Clearly, the winds were pushing things to the south, but yeah. you know, sometimes that's the sort of thing that you want to take into consideration is you know wait for a still day and then make sure that the wind isn't going to take. Uh, you know, if something does go around wrong, the wind isn't going to take that material. Well, even uh, the guest that we had on prior to you said that it sort of happened around late afternoon when the kids are getting out of school. You're thinking, mm. sheesh, you know. Yeah. When, I, I don't know. Is there a right time to do it? I don't know. But Well, yeah, I mean, and, and these are tricky things, but yeah. I, I, I can't help but think that more could have been done. Yeah to avoid what we saw happen yesterday. It looks that way. Linda Lukasik has been with us, Executive Director of Environment Hamilton, talking about Hamilton Specialty Bar, uh, old parts of that coming down and creating a uh, dust cloud, which pretty much engulfed uh, parts of the lower city. Linda, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Thank you. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. It's been a while since we've had Michael Meridian here. Uh, Michael, if they just got the city of Hamilton here, that's not right. Your, your business card is like uh, five pages long, isn't it? <laughs> Still the city, though. Economic development. Uh, and Michael Marini is with us. And a very familiar name in Hamilton, especially family businesses. Introduce your guest. Uh, Anthony DiFilippo from Roma Bakery. Or Roma yeah, Roma Bakery. Roma Everyone Bakery. knows it as Roma Pizza. It's Roma Bakery. Yeah. Uh, one of that's because there's a pizza in front of you. That's right, yeah. We brought you pizza today. <laughs> yes. So you better share it with the rest of the newsroom. I know Ted Michaels is listening in. Why did you even have to mention that? <laughs> there you go. All right. But uh, one of our uh, honorees today in the uh, second year of our Fast 40 program through Hamilton Economic Development. Explain what the Fast 40 program is. So the Fast 40 uh, program really is set to identify the fastest growing companies in Hamilton, the fastest 40 growing companies. And basically what we were looking at as part of our economic
Economic Development Action Plan over the last several years was the Canadian Business uh, Growth 500 list. Mm-hmm. And that's a national ranking of the fastest growing companies in Canada. And we right. noticed there was, there was a, a glut of uh, companies from Hamilton listed, you know, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, right. Halifax, they're all listed. Uh, so we knew that it wasn't so much that we didn't have the companies that could compete. We just probably was an awareness program, right. or awareness problem. So what we did last year was created the inaugural Fast 40 program. And the, the objective there was to identify the fastest growing companies here in the city and then encourage them in turn the very uh, weeks after it's announced uh, to apply for the Canadian Business uh, 500 list. Right. How much of an effort is that to apply for this? Because obviously people are running their businesses, they got stuff to do, uh, you know, marketing's like the last thing on the list. How, yeah. w- what is the process to get a business through this? Well, it, it's, it's quite simple actually. So every year we put the call out probably in uh, April uh, to, to go to our, our website, investinhamilton.ca, and there's some criteria there. But basically we're looking at over the past five years, we'll ask your business, what's the percentage change in revenue and employment growth? So we're not asking for uh, audited financials. Yeah. We won't publish your uh, your financials. Yeah. We're just looking at percentage purpose. change. Right. And then from there, we're kind of mirroring what the Growth 500 list is for the Canadian Business Magazine. And they'll ask for more detailed financials and audited statements. But at the end of the day, if you have that information, and you absolutely should as a company, mm, you're, you're yeah, auditing your, yeah, own, uh, sure. your own work, uh, it, it's quite uh, a simple process. And, and uh, we actually have someone on staff in our office, Graham Brown, who kind of led the program in the last two years. And, and he's kind of the conduit for uh, the companies and the Canadian Business Magazine to help the companies through. When you think of Hamilton's fastest growing companies, and I don't know, this is just my perception, you think mm. of new companies, Roma Bakery, 65 years. So, how, Anthony, help us out with this. It, it, obviously, at 65 years, there's still there's st- still a trail to blaze. There's still lots of stuff to do. Absolutely. Uh, we've had a strong following through that whole time, and it's kind of picked Boy, up. Boy, do you. <laughs> yeah, well, it's picked up from time to time, like over time, yeah, right? Yeah. So um, we've just kept growing, and uh, luckily the city of Hamilton and our customers have supported us along the way. And uh, with new things like social media and a lot more exposure, people realize we don't just do pizza. We do a whole array of different things. We offer a lot of different services, and it's really helped with the growth of our company. Well, there you go right there. So what is the advantage for you as a company, Roma Bakery, being involved in a a project like this? What does does it do for Roma? Well, I think it's great. It has dual purpose. Um, It's great for us for recognition and publicity, but it's also great for the city of Hamilton. Mm. Uh, You know, it lets people know this is a great city. Uh, somewhere where a business can flourish. Um, and it's really helped us along the way. The city's actually given us a, f- a few awards as of late. And um, I feel like that's really contributed lately to um, to some new customers and, uh, and a lot busier storefront. So, How do you explain 65 years? How do you, you know, many businesses open up, they're closed, and within, you know, the end of the year, what have you, especially like what we're seeing in Hamilton now with the resurgence that's going on. What, I'm sure lots of entrepreneurs ask you, how do you make this I, last? You know, I'm on the tail end of it. Um, my grandfather father started this company with nothing and it wasn't really much when it started it actually started in his backyard Um, and then my dad really is the person who deserves all the credit he really grew this company to what it is today and uh, you know we're just keeping our heads down and and working day in and day out and not giving up and making the bakery our top priority that's 
that's what got us here, and hopefully that's what get us uh, through the next uh, 60 years. How does your dad feel about being on a list like this? I mean, this is pretty cool after 65 years that you're... Absolutely. The recognition is always good. Uh, he's he's thrilled um, yeah. that, that we got this, and, and we've gotten a few, like I said, we've gotten a few awards from the city, and each time we just, we can't believe uh, the amount of support we get from everyone around us, the customers and, yeah. and the city, so um, it, it's it's all good. It's moved. That's what keeps us going, and that's what will propel us forward. And obviously, uh, you and your family have seen a tremendous amount of change in Hamilton over the years. Uh, when you see new businesses coming in and new entrepreneurs coming in, how, how does it make you feel? Is it different now than it was way back when? I, I think it's great. Um, it makes me proud to be um, from Hamilton. Yeah. I love to see the growth, uh, especially even around us in Stony Creek. Uh, you know, the there's you know high rises, condo buildings going up. And uh, it's just great. It's, it makes me happy because it's good for business. Yeah. But it's also good for the city. Yeah, so it, yeah. it's nice to know that uh, all the hard work we put in, it isn't going anywhere. There's there's future growth here mm. for both the city and, and our company. Um, and uh, that makes me sleep a little better at night, actually. I can imagine. Good yeah. for you, man. What's the advantage for a company like Roma being on uh, the Hamilton 40 list and then making it to the list you're speaking of? Well, I think uh, you made a, an earlier point about marketing, and uh, this is a, a freeway, basically, mm-hmm. to uh, to get some free marketing and, and attention, national attention for your company. But I think the the bigger story here is that these companies, these fast forty companies, range from the smallest business yeah. to the large corporation, and I think that bodes well for the future of Hamilton when you have that economic diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we're not a, a one industry town. That you look at the list, and that's on our website right now at investinhamilton.ca. Yeah. Uh, you can see the list, and you can see it's a, it's a variety of of uh, businesses and a variety of economic sectors. So. When you talk about um, stability in your economy, this kind of this list is is really a bellwether for uh, the stability of Hamilton's economy. And how has that changed over the years as you've seen Hamilton go through this renaissance? Uh, how uh, what's it like to watch the variety of industry expand that you're seeing coming out of the city? It's happening fast and furious yeah, uh, these yeah. days. You know, uh, Hamilton has one of the strongest economies in all of Canada. Uh, we have a number of you know first place rankings over the last few years in terms of how well we're doing. Uh, and and really, you know, the growth of these companies uh, is is ga- gaining greater attention for this city. Mm-hmm. And uh, from a national level, like I, I just came back from Halifax, uh, we were at uh, some national meetings, right. and people around the country were mentioning, Chattanooga. "Oh, we're hearing about Hamilton, yeah. hearing about Hamilton." You know, and yeah. you know, twenty. How long years have you been working on that, Michael? Seventeen <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, you haven't heard those kind of conversations uh, probably for the last five to ten years. You know, people were just forgetting about Hamilton, and and now it's you know it's the talk of the of the mm. country. So, Anthony, how during all of these tough times when we've seen businesses fall by the wayside, how did Roma keep going? How did how did uh, how did the family keep it going, considering you know the different phases that Hamilton's been through in the last sixty five years? Maybe a little bit of luck, yeah. um, but uh, no, a, a product that stayed the same the whole time. Nothing's yeah. really changed. So. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some nostalgia to that. People that have pizza now, we're like, I remember this when I, you know, yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're from Hamilton, every party when oh, you're a yeah. kid has Roma pizza. Yeah. And I think that that, uh, that brand identity um, with people has kept us alive for that long. And uh, l- like I said before, like, it just 
you know, going to work every day and not giving up and, you know, when times get tough, remember the good times and, mm. you know, things will progress forward and uh, just trying to grow, work on and grow your company. And that's why we do offer other things other than pizza now, because we needed that support in the past. Uh, you know, just, just the pizza sales wasn't enough to run a, a, a big company. So we thought, you know, let's do other things. Let's, let's get other um, income streams. And uh, yeah, that's what's got us here today. Was there a point where you realized, you know, the company as you know, your grandfather and your father had built, had gone, gotten to a certain level and either it stays there and it's kind of vulnerable or it's like, you know, we got to try to take this and ramp it up another notch. So yeah, there, there's Which isn't easy with a 65 year old tradition. I'm no, guessing. absolutely. There, there is a plateau, right? Yeah. You, you know, what do you do now? Where do you go from here? Yeah. You know, especially if you want to keep it going within the family and it, generations. For me, that's, that would, that'll yeah. be my challenge. But I've always said to everyone, you know, uh, you, you got to adapt or, or you'll just, you know, you'll fall, yeah. you'll fall aside. People will forget about you. You got to stay, you got to reinvent yourself. You have to stay creative and offer new products and new things to keep people coming back. Right. So, uh, that'll probably be my challenge going forward in my future. And, um, you know, I, I look forward to the challenge. My dad had challenges that, you know, I luck, luckily I'll probably never have to face. Mm. So if that's what I got to do, then that's, that's what we'll do. What advice do they give you? Or have they given you over the years? So much. Too much. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and does it come in the form of advice? Or, yes. No, absolutely. do this. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. My dad's been a, an excellent mentor to me. Um, and I think the most important thing to learn is, you know, you can go to school for business and, and the following things, and you're going to learn a lot. But yeah. the university of life, right? Day-to-day, yeah. day-to-day yeah. learnings and taking in what you learned and applying it and not forgetting about those things and where you've been. Uh, that's what helps you grow. My mistakes in the past have helped me today and they will help me again in the future. And my dad has always made sure I remembered that. Uh, is there is there some piece of advice or something that they always say to you whenever you're sort of at a crossroads and you don't know what to do? And it's like, if you remember this, this will keep you on the right track. Yeah, my, my dad always told me, uh, don't worry about what other people are doing around you. Focus mm. on your business and yeah. your business alone and everything will fall into place. What has been the biggest change over 65 years? Other than, of course, getting it out of the backyard. So, yeah, yeah, the backyard. <laughs> um, I think, uh, well, so we distribute to uh, most local grocery stores, uh, uh, over uh, 60 of them. Um, and I think when my dad signed Fortino's and, and uh, some of the yeah. other grocery stores, that's what gave us the stability to yeah. move forward and to have a steady income stream. So now, you know, we're, we're distributing to all these grocery stores and we don't need to have multiple locations. Overhead costs goes down. Right. So our product is out there at a minimal cost yeah. and it's available to a wider range of people across the city. And I think that was probably the most critical moment for, for mm. the company. Uh, more headaches for you now as it gets bigger? Uh, definitely. Yeah. Always, always going to be headaches. But, yeah. you know, the bigger you are, the more things you have, more yeah. things to order, people <laughs> to look after, machines to fix. Obviously, as you grow, the headaches get bigger. Yeah. 17 years, you said you've been working on this, Michael, uh, trying to push Hamilton around the corner. Pretty safe to say uh, we're there now. How has what you're doing changed, you know, with this Fast 40 and where you are now with these companies and blah, blah, blah. How has it changed from what you were doing 16, 17 years ago? I think it's, uh, in my opinion, the rise of technology has made us more accessible as, as a municipal government. Um, and when I say that, when I started, I think we were just getting into email. Mm. Uh, like it was just like the first cusp of, yeah. of email and, and that's how you can get, you know, instant, uh, notification from the, uh, the citizenry. I think now we're, we're to a point where, you know, technology has enabled us to, yeah. you know, talk to our, um, you know, our, our client base, you know, our investors at a quicker pace. Actually, if you mm. go to our site right now, there's a chat bot on the homepage 
and uh, it'll pop up and how can we help you? Yeah. And we can answer questions in real time. So I think technology is a big one. I think the one thing that Anthony said uh, really resonates not only for Roma Bakery, but for the city itself is it never gave up. And that's a true testament to the business community in Hamilton, that yeah. they never gave up. Like even through the, the worst times, our worst recessions, mm. there was always a belief that this city is on the verge of something new, something greater. Yeah. And now you're starting to see that. And now we're welcoming more people from other communities who are moving to Hamilton, moving their homes, moving their businesses, moving their families. And they're saying, we want to be part of this progress, uh, progressive attitude. So How have the challenges changed? <clears throat> What's the challenge now that we're you're 17 years into this, now that we are where we are as a yeah. city? I uh, mean, it's not like it was yeah, 15 I, I, years ago. We, we're, we're faced with a double-edged sword right now. Um, right now, unemployment is quite low. Yeah. The, the, the percentage is quite low, and our industrial vacancy rate is quite low, mm-hmm. which means our buildings are being used, people have jobs, people mm-hmm. are at work. But if there's someone who comes in, an investor comes from uh, from outside the city and says, right. we need X yeah. hundreds of thousands of square feet. We don't have that product. Yeah. So not ready-made stuff. Not yeah. ready-made stuff. So yeah. what we're working on right now is a strategy to work with our development community to build uh, new buildings right. so that we can house these investments. Because, you know, yeah. very clearly, the yeah. investments have shown. You yeah. start building it like the Field of Dreams. You build they it and they come. will come. Oh, yeah. they're already here. They're yeah. just waiting for They're just building. waiting for the space. That's yeah. right. They're waiting for the seats. That's right. <laughs> uh, so where does this uh, Fast 40 go? This is your second year with this. W- where do you hope to take this? Well, we want to continue it year after year. We mm-hmm. think it's a successful program. And I think the bigger strategy is, is not only to have the Fast 40 program, but keep encouraging Hamilton businesses to apply for the uh, the growth 500 list, uh, we can't uh, understate it enough uh, that you know this this list uh, uh, for the for the growth 500. Yeah, it's really significant. Yeah, it garners a lot of national attention, yeah. and we just want to encourage Hamilton companies to keep applying for it. Uh, and Anthony, if somebody uh, has lives under a rock or perhaps is a new Hamiltonian and isn't aware of Roma Bakery, what would you? How would you describe your business? What would you say to them? Uh, local, committed, and uh, ready, ready to serve. All right, Michael Marini has been with us from the City of Hamilton, Economic Development, and Anthony DeFilippo De uh, from Roma Bakery. 65 years in the hammer and part of the 40 fastest growing companies in the city, which is phenomenal considering uh, the depth of this company and, and how long it has been established. Anthony and Michael, thanks so much for uh, being here. Great work as always. Congratulations. Give Thank my you. best to the family. Thank you very much. Thanks, I've eaten Scott. a few of those things in my time. Uh, <laughs> The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.